Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 3. Acts the third chapter. We're going to start a new series tonight, and it's going to be on the idea, the thought of making a difference, making a difference, and it's going to be based on the book of Acts and some things we find there, and tonight we want to look at chapter 3 in the book of Acts and the first 10 verses in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. The Bible says there, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain lame man, a certain man lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch. It's called Solomon's greatly wondering. And let's pray. Lord, bless this time we're going to spend now looking at this wonderful miracle you did and the difference that it made. Lord, we need to make a difference in this world. We want to make a difference. But in order to do so, we need your power and your leadership and your provision. Help us to see that we can and we must be making a difference in the lives of other people, that that's your will for us, that you want to use us in that way. Might we be open and receptive to what you have for us tonight? I pray in Jesus' name, amen. And the title is Caring Makes a Difference. Caring Makes a Difference. Over in Jude 20, verse 22, it says, And some have compassion, making a difference. You know, as believers, we're all called upon to make a difference for the Lord. One preacher wisely said this, We must be different to make a difference. And I've said many times, if we're the same as them, we have nothing to offer them. We need to be different, and in doing so, we need to make a difference. Being different as believers involves change, implementing new behaviors, and setting aside hindrances to our new life in Christ. Our study is going to focus on a group of people found in the book of Acts, 
about whom it was said that they have turned the world upside down over chapter 17. This group was the first century church. These were just common men and women who rallied around an uncommon cause and demonstrated uncommon characteristics that enabled them to make this amazing difference. We'll be examining the lives and the legacies of these early Christians to discover one characteristic that enabled them to make an amazing difference. We then will need to examine our own lives, and we'll need to determine how we can implement these same characteristics so that we, too, can make a difference. You know, caring for other people doesn't come naturally. Hmm? The natural thing is to care for number one. So caring for other people doesn't come naturally. But spirit-filled believers of the first century cared not only for each other, but they even cared for people outside the church. We see Peter and John here in this that we've read. And they're examples of compassionate Christians. They represented their Savior well as they reached out in love and care to one who could offer them nothing in return. This old man was a beggar, and there was nothing he could do for them or give them, and yet they were willing to reach out to him and help him. And as we read, we find God was glorified by their, their actions, by their demonstration of care for this man. God ultimately got the glory. He's glorified today when we look beyond our needs and see the needs of other people. Now, we're going to learn from the example of these early church leaders that caring does make a difference. Paul was writing to the believers in Philippi, and he spoke very highly over in, in uh, Philippians chapter 2, and he talks about Timothy and Ephroditus, and he cites them as two very caring men. They were among that small group of loyal helpers that Paul had in his ministry. Paul lamented, though, in that same place, the lack of similar men who would naturally care for the well-being of those in Philippi. And one of the things he said about the other men was, for they all seek their own. And, you know, that's a natural tendency, but when you get saved, we're delivered from the natural, and we're supposed to live by the supernatural. And uh, we're to be changed creatures. So we understand that we need to learn to exercise care for other people. Here's this scene in the lives of two early church members, John and Peter. And we see three components of genuine care demonstrated in this account. And the first thing we see is the plight of the needy man. It says, in a certain man lame from his mother's womb. You know, that's important to stop and think about. This man was born that way. Now, as I think about that, I think about his legs naturally wouldn't have, wouldn't have been, been formed and, and uh, like a, a regular person's would. The muscles and all that are involved in, in being able to walk and leap and that kind of thing would not have been there. And this is from the womb. This wasn't an accident. This wasn't a disease that happened later in life. And, and there was never a time in his life where he was able to do these things. And it says he was lame from his mother's womb and was carried, couldn't walk, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, 
to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. He couldn't work. He couldn't support himself. The only thing he could do was beg. And so somebody would bring him every day and put him there at that gate, and he would beg. Now, the inconvenient reality is that the opportunity to care always begins with a need. So if we're going to have an opportunity to care about other people, it's going to be because they have a need. Now, too often we avoid other people and we're not caring for other people because we're so involved in our own needs. And, you know, we're to, we're to look upon others and not ourselves. Our actions seem to say, don't bother me with needy people because I am one. And, of course, if I could come around and talk to you tonight, everybody in this room would have needs. But we look to other people and those who have greater needs than we have. If we strive to make a difference, we will express care for other people. And this man that we read about had three very dire needs. The first one, he needed strength to walk. He's lying there helplessly. Much like the people around us who we see are diseased with sin and they're helpless in themselves. They're morally crippled, if you will. This man was physically crippled, but people who are not saved are morally crippled. They cannot help themselves. Increasingly, we find ourselves repulsed by the depravity of this world. And uh, boy, it seems like it keeps getting worse and worse. You know, I, I guess you're aware Philadelphia has been celebrating Gay Month. The whole month of June, they've been having their celebration of the LGBT, I guess I got it right, bunch. And a big parade coming this Saturday or Sunday, one of the weekend days uh, for that. And the depravity of it all, really, uh, I don't know, it gets to me when I think about how, how far this country's come in those areas and, and uh, remember a day when it wasn't that way. But the depravity of it all takes a toll on us. The prophet Isaiah, over in Isaiah chapter 1, kind of paints a picture there of mankind's sinful condition. And he uses the imagery of physical disease and decay to typify, if you will, to picture man's uh, wickedness and sin. He says there in verse 4, Our sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, a seed of evildoers, children that are corruptors, they have forsaken the Lord, they have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, they are gone away backward. Why should ye be stricken any more? Ye will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been clothed, neither bound up, neither mollified with ointment. And uh, just describing the awfulness, the awfulness of sin. And so it's nothing new. We find that since Adam, men have been dead in trespasses and sins, according to Ephesians chapter 2. And so how in the world can we expect men who do not know God to have moral health or strength? We've often said and we're reminded the reason unsaved people act like they do is because they're unsaved. Hmm? We can't expect them 
these people who don't know how to know God to act in a, in a righteous way. And you know, that's the reason Jesus had to come. Because we were yet without strength. Over in Romans 5, 6, he says, when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. We couldn't help ourselves. And you know, we couldn't save ourselves. We needed somebody to come along and help us. And the Lord Jesus Christ came to be that one who would care and give himself for us. So this man had the need of strength to walk. And then he also had the need of sustenance for living. The Bible says he was asking alms. He had no way to make money. He was physically unable to earn any kind of income. And so we see this man, and it reminds us that we're going to meet people who have physical needs. You know, very often we find people in our path that have physical needs, and I believe many times God allows them to be in our path because he wants us to care, and he wants us to be able to minister to people. I made a little note here. God may lead us to meet specific needs of people. Jesus spoke of the importance of having a caring spirit over Matthew uh, chapter 25. He said, then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. And so God expects us to be a caring people and recognizing physical needs of people. And I know, you know, sometimes we just don't have the resources to help people. Sometimes we can't do everything they need. But the little note I wrote myself was this. We can't help everyone, but we can help someone. Amen. And uh, we need to ask ourselves, who have I helped? Who have I shown care to? We're in this world that is so wrapped up in me. We've lost sight of what the, what the scripture teaches us about other people. We're to put others ahead of ourselves. We're to be a people who care about the souls of men. And we're to be people who care not only about the souls of men, but the well-being of men, those around us. You know, in Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 17, it says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given will he pay him again. And I believe God wants us to understand. He takes notice when we, when we show care for other people. And, and when we even sacrifice to care for other people, it doesn't go unnoticed. And God will bless and honor that kind of treatment. So this man needed strength to walk. He needed sustenance for life. He was in a bad way. And then he needed someone to care. Hmm. Think about this. We don't really know how old this fellow was, but it talks about him being a man. So we're going to assume he was over 21 years of age. And just think about how many years he's had to go day after day after day 
and be carried over there by the gate of the temple and sit there all day and beg every day of his life. Hmm. And then think about this. How many people passed him by every day and did nothing? Now, I'm sure some people came by and put a little something in the cup for him, you know, to help him out. But how many people would just pass by and not care? Well, this one particular day, he was blessed in that Peter and John come walking right past him. You know, he had probably caught the eye of a lot of people as he cried out alms and alms. And as I said, some would respond. Others would just hurry by. I couldn't help but think about the Good Samaritan and how that, that fellow was wounded and beat up and robbed and, and all and, and just laying there hurting and needing somebody to care. And those three men who came by that didn't care at all, they avoided him. They passed by on the other side had no compassion whatsoever. But thank God the Good Samaritan came by and he did care. And there's a lot of people out there who need somebody just to care. This, this man sees Peter and John, and according to what the Bible says, they locked eyes. And he was probably thinking they were going to give him something substantial. Well, he got more than he bargained for. He didn't get anything put in that cup. Peter tells him, silver and gold have I none. But he gave him something more precious and more valuable than any silver or gold he could have given him. We need to understand there's a lot more people than we realize looking for somebody to help, somebody to care. And it might be God wants to use us to be that person as we walk by, just stop and care. Psalm 14, or 142, verse 4 says this, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I wonder how many people feel that way. I wonder how many people are feeling like nobody cares about my soul. Now, we go soul winning. We try to win people to Christ. We try to witness to people. And one of the reasons we do that is we do care for them. We care for their soul. But we need to care for them in a physical way as well when the opportunity arises. Hmm. You know, oftentimes what people think they need is far less than what God thinks they need. This man's a good example of that. He thinks he needs some money. He thinks he needs a few coins thrown into that cup. And yet God had better ideas. Hmm. Sometimes people think they need a new friend or they need a new mortgage or they need a new career or a new church. But God knows really what they need is him. And we're to share him. So we see the plight of the needy man. He needs strength to walk. He can't walk. He needs sustenance for a living. He cannot earn a living. He needed someone to care. And day after day, people went by. Nobody really cared. But then we see this. The pity of the caring men. 
verses 6 and 7. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. What a miracle took place right there. His feet and his ankle bones that he had never stood on now become strong enough not just to stand on, but to cause him to be able to leap. You know, in Christ's parable on forgiveness, the master asked the unforgiving servant, Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on my fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? Jesus might ask us the same question. I've had pity on you. Shouldn't you have pity on other people? Yes, we should. Peter and John teach us what it takes to demonstrate that kind of compassion. Notice we see here caring eyes to look at the man. In verse 4, it says, Peter is fasting eyes upon him. Hmm. Perhaps most of the folks that crossed the lame man's path throughout all those years did what came naturally. They looked the other way. Have you ever been in a situation where you knew there was somebody needy and you looked the other way? Hmm? You just didn't want to get involved. You didn't want to bother. You didn't want any part of it. We, too, see a need such as this, and naturally but tragically, sometimes we look the other way. But we really need to retrain ourselves to where we learn to be sensitive to the needs of others. Let me ask you this. When you look at other people, what do you see? Somebody asked that question. They said, what do you see? Some notice hairstyle. Some notice clothing. Some skin color. Some gang-related scenarios, the color of clothes. Sometimes people look at others and size up social or economic status. When you look at people, what do you see? I often wonder when, when the average Christian sees a crowd of people, what do they see? Do they see a bunch of people who more than likely most of them are on their way to hell? Do we see a bunch of people who are in need of salvation? Or do we see people as just a bunch of low-down, dirty, rotten sinners who we don't want anything to do with? That's a wrong attitude. If we make a difference, if we're going to make a difference, we need to see people like John and Peter saw this man. We now have to see them as they truly are, men and women with eternal souls in need of a Savior. Over in Lamentations 3.51, Jeremiah said this, Mine eye affecteth mine heart because of all the daughters of my city. Jeremiah says his caring eyes affected his heart. And because of this, we know Jeremiah is the weeping prophet. What his eyes saw caused him to feel. In Matthew 9, 36, we read about Jesus and how he was moved with compassion but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted 
and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Hmm. This man, you see the pity of the caring men, caring eyes to look at the man, and caring hands to lift the man. Now, Peter and John obviously felt in their heart for this man. They stopped. They stopped their, their trip to the temple. They were on their way there. They interrupted what they were doing to stop and minister to this man. So they obviously experienced an emotion. What they saw touched their heart. They moved into action. And the Bible says they placed their hands on this man, gripped his feet through the wadi, grabbed him by the right hand, and held him, pulled him up to his feet. Hmm. It's interesting when you think about this. Did Peter really have to grab the man and lift him up to his feet? God could have lifted the man up that quick. God wanted Peter to have a part in this. He wanted him to reach out and lift the man physically. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, no one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. God helps those who need help by using compassionate people who are willing to get personally involved. That's why in Ecclesiastes it says two are better than one. There are many things Jesus did that we cannot duplicate. None of us can raise the dead. None of us can walk on water or cleanse lepers. We can, however, reach out our hands to those in need, just like Jesus did. He came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, Mark chapter 1, 31. Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, Mark 9, 27. When you lift someone up, when you care enough to get involved, you are in the moment being like Jesus. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's why we're called Christians. Christ ones. Ones who are supposed to imitate and we have to ask our question, who have I lifted up lately? Who have I helped? Who have I interrupted my life for? Who have I seen in need and stopped to help? No, too often we're just like those fellows at the Good Samaritan. We turn our attention the other way and go the other way. Too often we're like so many who pass this man every day did nothing. And yet here's two men who stop and who do what they can. A thoughtful act can lift a person's burden. Introducing someone to the Lord Jesus Christ can lift that person right into an eternal relationship with God and a home in heaven for eternity. But it's going to take time. It's going to take energy. It's going to take being willing to get involved and care about people. And then we see this. 
the praise of the healed man. I love verse 8 when it says, And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. I try to imagine this in my, in my mind's eye. This fellow, all of a sudden, he hasn't walked since birth. And all of a sudden, he's able to get up and walk. But he doesn't just walk, he starts to leap. I, I can't help but imagine him running around Peter and John in circles and hollering and shouting and having a hallelujah fit. You say, where did you get that? I found it in between the, the lines there somewhere. But really, think how excited this man would be. And God has healed him, and now he's able to go and do for himself and be for himself. He never left before. He never walked before. He never ran before. But now he's able to do all of that. Probably this man had never even been able to enter the temple before. But now he's able to, and he's going with Peter and John into the temple. And the whole time he's praising God. And we notice this. His praise was a witness of God's power. The first response of this man after he's healed by God is to praise God. He wanted everyone to know that God had now changed his life. By the way, he wasn't praising John and Peter. I'm sure he was thankful to them for what they did. But he understood it wasn't John and it wasn't Peter who healed him. He was giving the praise where it belongs. And it belongs to God. In Ephesians 1.12 it says that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. The, change, the testimony of a changed life is a wonderful tool. Think about the people who are observing this man now. The same people who day after day would walk by him and see him laying there, not able to do anything. All of a sudden they're seeing the same man leaping and running and shouting and having a hallelujah fit. Don't you think that affected them? People can argue with our message. They can resist our reason. But people cannot argue with the testimony of a transformed life. Amen? That's why it's so important that we live the life we're supposed to live. We're to let our light shine before men that they see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. So many Christians fail in this area. They don't, they don't broadcast the message by their lifestyle. You know, skeptics find it hard to explain why someone doesn't talk the way he used to talk or why a person don't go the places he used to go to. Or why that person don't tell the jokes he used to tell or drink what he used to drink or behave the way he used to behave. They, they, can't, they can't explain that. They can't argue with the fact that something we know in reality, someone, 
has changed a person's life from the inside out. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you remember that? I remember when I first got saved and God changed me and people wondered what happened to me. Many of you have the same testimony. People say, what happened to you? I remember my, my one brother commenting on, why do you go to church so much? I never used to do that. Why, if I went for an hour on Sunday, that was a big deal. Now I'm going Sunday morning Sunday school, Sunday morning church, Sunday, morning, Sunday night church, Sunday night training hour, Wednesday night church. Hmm? The people I work with, all of a sudden the language is different. Have some people noticed that about you? Hmm? You ever have people notice, hey, you don't cuss, do you? They ought to notice that about you. It's hard to argue with that kind of a testimony. When people see the change in your life, and the only explanation is him. And by the way, we need to give him the glory for it. If and when somebody asks you about the change in your life, what happened to you? I got saved. I didn't get religion. I didn't turn over a new leaf. I got saved. I accepted Christ as my Savior, and he made me a new creature. Hmm? You need to have that testimony. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so this man and his praise was a witness of God's power. You know, sometimes it seems like we've let the Pentecostals steal our shout and our joy. We're afraid to say amen. We're afraid to say praise the Lord. We're afraid to lift a hand and hallelujah, lest somebody think we're a fanatic. But listen, friend, we need to praise the Lord for what he's done in our life and give him the glory. He deserves it. And then notice this. His praise was a witness, and his praise was watched by the people. Verses 9 and 10. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he that sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. It says, all the people saw him. Think about this. This man that's been healed here really didn't need to preach a sermon to these people. He was a sermon. To see the miracle that took place He did, just did what God had suddenly enabled him to do. You know, maybe we ought to learn to just be a sermon. Just do what God has enabled us to do. Well, what do you mean? Live the Christian life in front of other people. Somebody said, by way of suggestion, maybe show up to work on time. Maybe live a life of integrity. 
Maybe love your spouse. Maybe raise your children to be godly children. Do what we can do and be a testimony. And do those things you could not do without Christ. So that when people ask you, how do you do that? It's him. It's all him. We said he didn't preach a sermon, and he didn't. But you know, Peter did. Look at verse 12. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk? The God of Abraham and of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied him in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye, need not, ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murder to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And now, brethren, I want that through ignorance ye did it, as did also your rulers, but those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Repent ye therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. For Moses truly said unto the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you, of your brethren like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul which will not hear that prophet shall be destroyed from among the people. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel and those that follow after, as many as have spoken, have likewise foretold of these days. Ye are the children of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying unto Abraham, and in thy seed shall all the kindreds of the earth be blessed. Until you first, unto you first God, having raised up his son Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from his iniquities. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and Sadducees came upon them. And being grieved, they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And verse 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Listen, this man didn't, didn't preach a sermon, but he was a sermon, and he demonstrated the power of God. And that moved these people in their heart, and Peter preached the word of God, and these people responded. 5,000 of them got saved. Wow. Man, I get excited when one person comes and gets saved. Can you imagine having 5,000 people get saved? Well, it's all because these men desired to care and make a difference. People who need God are watching how we handle the ups and downs 
in our lives. People who need God are watching to see how we handle bad news from the doctor. People who, who have need of God are watching to see how we treat our family members and how we live day in and day out. Jesus said that this fishbowl that we live in is a wonderful place to give glory to our Father. And that's what we're supposed to do. It's an amazing thing what happens when people care. Here we have an example. These two men slow down and stop their life to deal with a lame man because they saw him. Someone who didn't have anything to offer them and they cared. And because of that, a man was healed. People heard the gospel message. 5,000 people got saved and God got the glory in the that's what happens when you care about people. I think about some of the stories we read about the, the people who led Dwight L. Moody to Christ, the people who led Spurgeon to Christ, the people uh, who led some of the great evangelists, uh, uh, Billy Sunday, uh, to Christ. And I think about these people, and, and they had no idea what the results would be, but they cared about somebody. And it had a great effect. And who, who knows what would happen if we begin to care about people like we should. And minister to people like we should. Who knows what God would do. So let's learn from these, these people. and Let's learn to care about other people and make a difference. And some having compassion make a difference. Father, thank you for Peter and John and how they stopped to minister to this man and how you use that in such a marvelous, marvelous way. Help us as your people to learn to care for other people, to be sensitive to the needs of other people, and to be willing to give of ourselves to help other people. Not for our glory, not that we'll get the praise of men, but for your glory and your honor. Help us in this matter, we pray in Jesus' name.